Hello and welcome to episode 29 of Nasty Pals, where myself, Stephen, and my nasty pal, Adam... That's me. You're a nice pal, really. Um, dissect, evaluate, break down, and rank, for no real reason, um, every movie on the DPP video nasty list. Don't know what that is? Wrong podcast for you. Nah, Google it, whatever. Or Bing it. Do what you want. Um, this time, we're following our trend of bad title, good movie? Yeah, see, that's the bit. We're going to have to have this discussion. <laughs> well, it's, I it's, know, it's like, this, I, you, you can't, like, I get this is a thing for you, but you can't just, like, like a really shit movie, ironically, just because it's got some, like, it's t- it takes some swings. Yeah, I mean, this movie's, um, okay, this movie's bad. It's a bad movie. Um, yeah, but thank, it's got thank a... God, thank God. I, I didn't want to have this conversation with you. Yeah, I, I was going to, like, full-on toolbox murders this, but no, I'm not going to. This this, this bad... This movie's a bad movie. But at one hey, point, it has I a character... You expect, we've been dancing around for a time. I want you to expect the fact that I took a swing with that read. Yeah. Yeah, you know, if you want to, if uh, if you read that in like a college essay or a paper, you go, well, I mean, this is absolute uh, gibberish, but <laughs> but they're trying, which is more than half the other people in this class. So I, 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 uh, I got that on a grade on an essay once, being like, I don't agree with what anything you're saying, but you've argued it interestingly. I'm like, I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> so yeah, this is um, well, we've got three titles here. I could find two titles on the internet, and then the movie, the version that I watched, then had a different title. Which is utterly yeah. bizarre because the film drops the original title in the movie a couple of times, which without that being the title is a really redundant, weird thing for it to do because it's not like a motif by itself. So the original title, this film from 1978, um, I Miss You, Hugs and Kisses, um, yep. which is is a title dog for shit. a film. Dog shit name. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, I actually like its alternate title quite a lot, actually, um, which is Drop Dead, Dearest. Yeah, that's you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna do the alliteration thing, at least it's that that's arch camp. I it's it's I also like just like referring to someone like that, drop dead, dearest. Um that's fun. Um though um did your film like mine call itself Left for Dead? Yes, it did, yeah. So I watched the there's a you know, there are no greater heroes than the people who upload shitty old <sighs> movies to YouTube. Mm. Um, they are they are the they are the best among us. Um, and that one, so, you know, we, we'll see up front, that is an awful trans, like, VHS transfer. Oh, God, it's dreadful. I missed, like, the, the very corners of the screen, well, the, the, like, the sides of it on both sides, left and right. I've, if anything important happened in those sides of the screen, I, we will not talk about it. Yeah, no, if there was any kind of interesting mise-en-scene that... <laughs> All the up. subtext is in the left yeah, side. It's, yeah, that's what, that's what they put it there, just out of the way. So it didn't... Yeah. It didn't it, distract um but yeah it's it, it looks dread, it looks dreadful it's been cut off as because it's vh it's a four by three print and then it just looks awful um yes but it's it a dreadful looking movie the uh and the, like and it also rolls credits at a weird spot as well oh, like, i want to uh, talk about that at some point um we'll get to that because it has every now and then I was pausing this film and just telling Emma things that happened in it. She was like, what? Um, so yeah, this is, um, there are a couple of weird things. So it, it has an opening credits kind of thing. Um, so this is, it, it pushes at the beginning. And I just wrote down lol in my notes. It just says the Markovitz brothers present and I was, as if they are people, as if they are film people, as if it's like the Cohen brothers. And this is the seventies. All right. So this is pre Cohen brothers, but as, as if they're like the archers, as if, you know, it's Powell and Pressburger. It's like, bam, this kind of establishment. Um, 
And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to pause this movie. I'm going to look up these people. And this was the last credit of both of them. Um, so Murray Markovitz is the director and writer, the sole directing and writing credit on this. This was the last film that he directed and wrote. Um, and he'd done like two things beforehand of like no merit at all. Um, like one of them doesn't even have a runtime on IMDb. That's how unwatched it is. You can even find out how long it is. It just exists, I guess. No ratings. No one's watched it. No one cares. Yeah, but they like have... if you look at if you go on IMDb, like everything stops with this movie. Like mm. you can see why it's bad. It's really bad. Yeah, um, it's it's bad enough to the point where you you question like everyone involves uh, like qualifications for being here at all. Like even just saying you're a bad director is like who let you in the chair, mate. Yeah, and then so then you've got Charles Zed. Well, that's what happens if your brother is the producer, I guess. So Charles Zed Markovitz is the producer who has only produced Murray Markovitz movies. So, you know, um, maybe it's Markowitz, I don't know. Um, but, you know, answers on a postcard, please. Um, so, as I often do with these, because occasionally, like, we go down an early Lommel rabbit hole and we find that they're actually geniuses, um, I like to, I think you do the same, look through the um, cast and crew page on IDB and go, are there any interesting faces and names here? And pretty much yeah. nothing. Um, there was someone who'd done some costume design for some of the other nasties, so I thought that was kind of cool. Um, that was the most somewhat interesting thing, but nothing hugely interesting to talk about. And then I came across a thing that it seems you came across as well. Yeah, so the, the only good thing about this movie, so is that um, it is the de- debut of Howard Shaw mm. as a composer. Multi-Oscar-winning composer Howard Shaw. Three Howard Oscars Shaw, under his belt. Cronenberg collaborator extraordinaire. Yes. Uh, Lord of the Rings composer. If Even wrote iconic. the original song that was um, that won the award for um, Return of the King as well. Yeah. Like, so... Prolific. I, I noted down a bunch of his movies, so um, but just to give some context. So this is his first film, and the soundtrack is fine, to be honest. I actually noted at one point there was for a lot of it, it's just like symphonic kind of like blancmange. It's just there; it exists. It's, but at it's one point, a, it's a bit overwrought. It is. I'll say that. There is quite a nice violin melody at one point that like it takes the forefront, which kind of steps away from it just being just purely symphonic. Because most boring symphonic scores to me are boring because all the orchestra's playing it all the time. And there is one point where a solo violin takes the four, and it's kind of nice. And it's the one thing that diverges it from... Or if I didn't know it's a Howard Shaw score, I would not even say a thing about it, because there's yeah, nothing like, notable about it. But the, going in with that knowledge... You, like, you start grafting stuff onto hmm. it that, like, you... That, I mean, like, let's take a similar example. Say, like, Cronenberg's recent output, like his non, like, yeah. let's say his post-history of violence out, output. You look at it and go, if you didn't know this was Cronenberg, you would not assign any of his, you know, stylistic, you know, markers to, say, Cosmopolis. Oh, I don't know. I think, I think Cosmopolis you would. Uh, Maps of the Stars, I agree. Uh, but Cosmopolis is a weird movie. It's weird, but you know, you know what I mean. Like, there's, yeah, there's... And to an extent, it's, it, it's a different period of Cronenberg. Um, the Cronenberg was in the news at the moment, which is very interesting. Um, so the Cronenberg connection here, being Howard Shaw, and also Canada. More on Canada later because this movie. That's a lot of Canada. Oh my god, this movie. The narrative relies on it being in the states completely. Yeah. Um, and then they keep making it clear it's in Canada because it's like one of the very few themes of the film is about the idea of the land of possibility. Of this idea yeah. of like you escape persecution, you make it across you know across the Atlantic to 
Canada. I mean, maybe I'm an idiot. Maybe there is a long history of like um, people who were in war, um, like fleeing Budapest to go to Canada. Maybe that is like a huge historical precedence. But every now and then it, they'll it, talk about the dream and stuff. No, it feel it feels like there's a, a Thirty Rock joke in the later seasons where like they're trying to get a. Um, horror film funded and it just means that they continue to add more and more positive references to connecticut you know <laughs> funding just like we're one of connecticut's beautiful uh, 30 beautiful state parks like the, the, oh no i don't want to die before seeing the such and such museum like and, and yeah it, it is very that, much like, it's that level of plugging canada like they they go out of their way say we're in toronto everybody which is fine if it didn't cut against narrative which for me it does and again maybe i am the idiot here but i feel that like this is such a like it's a weird capitalistic no one thinks of canada as the land of possibility and the place Mm. you run away to freedom maybe they should but they don't no one thinks no one thinks america is that either but in terms of like film language yeah, it's established myth making, and like a lot, and you know, it, it does subvert that to a very slight extent. This idea of like, well, maybe they'll come get you eventually, but which would work a little bit more if it was the symbolic connotation of the United States of America. It being Canada is really weird, though. Um, it does lead to one amazing line where a woman claims that Canada made her sexual. Oh yeah, <laughs> which is at that point I was like, all right, this movie rules. <laughs> Like the script on this thing, but that's why the script's so bad because she means to be implying that her and the um, protagonist who she's having an affair with, with whom she's having an affair, um, that they did not um, have anything physical until the second time she came to Canada, and she just says, "I wasn't sexual at all until I came to Canada," (laughs) which I loved. Come, the Canadian Tourist Board presents. (laughs) I mean, I've seen Cronenberg movies. Canada is sexual. Um, yeah. So to yeah, return it, to David Crony. Yeah, David Crony. The, mo- the most interesting thing about this movie is the connection to... Yeah. Um, so, I mean, also, like, the David Cronenberg thing, like, I, I know why films are made in Canada. Like, there are um, tax reliefs, etc. Like, it's a better, like, place to make independent film, apparently. I don't know enough to know exactly yeah, why. Yeah, you just film it in Toronto and say it's New York, <laughs> like a regular I know, I know. It's weird, because, like, and, you know, we love Cronenberg, we know this. Um, like, Cronenberg is such a Canadian staple, but none of his films feel like, this is Canada, Canada, capital C, Canada. They're just, like, they take place in Cronenberg land. A lot of them specifically take place in LA um, or other kind of places this is just like bam Canada so um, Howard Shaw his first proper credit because this doesn't really count was of course The Brood and then The Dead Zone his first um, non Cronenberg movie was Martin Scorsese's After Hours which is an awesome movie and is a really good score he went through The Fly did you know that he composed an opera based on The Fly I would see that opera I want to see that so badly that would be a great opera so yeah, I've just I've noted down a few of his like more interesting um, credits here, just to give a bit of thing. A lot of people know this already. So you've got a lot of Cronenberg, Naked Lunch, Dead Ringers. Um, you've also got The Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. You've got Mrs. Yeah, Doubtfire. There's actually a lot of um, 
a lot of collaboration with Jonathan Demme, which I was... Mm. Yeah, he is David Byrne, for example. Uh, no, um, you've got Seven, um, you've got The Game, you've got That Thing You Do. He, obviously, he didn't write the song, That Thing You Do, from That Thing You Do. That was the guy from Founders of Wayne who died last year, I think. Yeah, he got Who I should know the name of. Um, he did the soundtrack to Dogma as well, which I thought was a weird thing to note. Um, but most famous for... I mean, he did The Aviator as well and Hugo, so a lot of Scorsese link. But the big one is The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, um, which yeah. are wonderful scores. I mean, yeah, I, don't actually... got, he, I never thought that much about Howard Shaw, but he does occupy a bit of an Elfmanish quality of either mm. ubiquitous. He's written some lots of iconic music, but he's also written some very like not say like workmanlike, but he just showed, seems to show up and get the job done. Yeah, totally. On the uh, on the work he's doing, which there aren't that many. Like either there are composers that you recognize because they have a very specific style, and you every time you hear it, you go, "All right, I know what that is." Um, or there are composers who like just fade into the background. They're just like they 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 get the job done. They they're like water. They put they fill whatever like receptacle they're poured into. Um, so Howard Shaw, reading through that list, I was like, "You sound a lot of stuff," and a lot of it is unremarkable. Then, but then a lot of it is very remarkable. Totally, yeah. That, that, that the score for Science of the Lambs is is absolutely brilliant, like haunting. Um, and I, I actually I don't know your thoughts. Are you a Lord of the Rings person? I don't think we've ever spoken about Lord of the Rings. Um, see, I, it's, it's, I've got a, a very you know, strong nostalgic connection to it. I like there was a it was, yeah. Oh, PJ did it. Did a did a good did a good job. I'll say. Yeah. It's, um, it's no it, bad taste, but you know. No, it's no bad taste. It's not any, not even a dead alive. I mean, no, but nothing is. Still, his best movie. Um, but it is, it 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 is a Meet the Feebles. It's better than Meet the Feebles. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast will officially say better than Mr. Feeble, Mr. Meet the Feebles. Um, you know what? Probably better than the Frighteners as well. I'll say it. Yeah, the Frighteners. Then, like, I, I, Frighteners is fine. Um, anyway, um, so back to this movie. Actually, the one thing I say about like um, Howard Shaw, it's that sense to, to a bit of what you were saying. It's like it's there are two types of composers that of like famous ones. There's one where you hear it and you go, "Oh, that sounds like that." They're like, "Oh, this is an Elfman score," and you can tell it. Or there's a type you see their name in the credits and you go, "Ah, I'm in safe hands." And I feel like he's a ah, okay, this will be nice. Yeah. Um, so Cliff this, Martinez, this, if you will. That's exactly what I was going to go for. Um, so. This movie um, filmed, well, released in 1978. So it's, again, one of those... This is, again, the younger ridiculousness of the video nasties is these are films that have been helped for a long time and then suddenly just randomly banned, um, which is an utter ridiculousness. Um, it actually was released in the UK in 1986. Um, so it was unbanned on video um, with a one minute and six seconds of um, cuts made to it. Um, I mean, you can guess the bit that was cut. Yeah. Um, yeah, head, which we'll talk about later and a weird head cracking and yeah a extremely just like i have never like you know so Stephen, you're if it's, you're making a set movie right first off you know so yeah. congratulations Hello. well done you, i am murray markovitz have you met my like, brother no i haven't met you oh, charles charles, charles Zed. yeah <laughs> they call him a z um they call him z Yes, um, and Charles in charge. Uh, you you put a sexual, you put a, a, a rape murder scene in your movie. Now, first off, okay, okay, first off, um, maybe reconsider that, Stephen. Like, you know, we, we know each other quite well. Okay, you know, please, I'm, please, I'm, don't I'm, call me Stephen. Call, call me call me Murray for this, please. <laughs> okay, all right, all right, Mar- Murray, you put your you put a, a, a murder rape 
in the movie. Yeah. And, you know, like, you're a creator. You're entitled to do that. Just I want you to think about it. Second, don't just set up a tripod and point it at two actors on the ground and let them kind of do the work. And you don't know, have it as a thing, twist 40 th- minutes into the film. Yeah. One thing your murder rape should not do is elicit complete apathy and boredom in me. That's the opposite. This is probably the worst <laughs> thing that can ever be done. And you're, it's, it's having the opposite effect. Yeah, it's it's it's. A, we'll get to the scene in context because it makes no sense in context and it's just heinous. Um, but yeah, the so the the notes on the cuts where it was edited to remove scenes of head blows and clubbing and to shorten a scene of a dead woman being sexually caressed, which is like sometimes like the BBFC are a lot better institution now, a lot better. But like that's just disgusting. Like that note, a dead woman being sexually caressed. Um, yeah, mm, it's a rape. What happened there? Yeah. <laughs> no, just, yeah, I mean, we'll talk yes, about the is, sequence of that scene as well. It is rape post-mortem, yes, but um, yeah, um, BBFC, no, bad, boo. Um, so yeah, um, this the movie then, I Miss You, <laughs> Mugs and Kisses, which is the title we're going to use, um, has the most bizarre opening. I want to talk about this. So it's, again, it's like such poor filmmaking of it begins with setting up like three different kind of like narrative framings, but with no actual exposition of it keeps cutting between establishing shots of different things. We've got this woman arriving home. We've got someone in a car. We've got just random shots of Toronto. So it's Toronto. And it's just like, it's not only intercut, it's slightly overlaid, and you're not sure what narrative is being set up at all, and then suddenly, someone just gets twatted in the head by a club and dies, and you're just like, what is going on in this film? Mm. And then, it cuts to a new story that gives you so much exposition in 20 seconds, I was unbelievably confused. Like, this new story just says that Blah has just been killed, like, okay, I know who was killed, and then it says, and the millionaire has put out some money for um, the caption. I go, okay, cool. So this movie will be about trying to work out. And it goes, oh, and it turns out, no, that he did it and has being held on trial. I'm like, okay, well, that was a roller coaster of emotions. Yeah, I don't think we yeah, needed like, that so middle we're, step. We're jumping straight to, like, realizing this movie is a courtroom drama, mm. like, filled with flashbacks where, like, if, the structure of this movie is, it's a courtroom drama. They're in the, an A, like, I think, it, it assumes that all of this happens, like, over one, like, <sighs> one day almost like that that's like yeah. the time scale we're looking at um but essentially the witnesses are called are called to the stand and then their testimony is a slightly skewed perspective on the events leading up to the so it's rashomon of, you're saying it's rashomon yeah it's rashomon it's rashomon but it's it's rashomon but it's a courtroom um of the murder of um magdalene which uh, yes. do you get named do you for a get reason? Do you get it? Do you get it? Yeah, it's because yeah, it this movie doesn't like women. It's she's slut shamed a lot, and it's it's, it's yeah. that classic narrative of it, it. It bends its way to prove itself right. Like it starts with like, people being really mean to her as a person, and you're like, oh, they're so mean to her. And the narratives at the end is be like, yeah, they were right to be though, weren't they? Because women do be yeah, like that, don't was, they? She was a bitch. It's like, <laughs> it is. Cool. Yeah, this 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 movie's moral compass is that rich people get too much shit. Um, yeah, and that like women that, suck. That's the end of this movie is like, is it because I'm rich? Like multiple times, the dude goes, "I'm a wealthy man." It's like that's you're giving people even more reason to not do something for you, my guy. Like yeah, I know this is Canada dreadful. in '78. Like we we weren't as woke <laughs> as we were now, but we still Oof. thought someone shouting, "I'm a wealthy man," didn't entitle you to shit. 
Which to link to the wealthy man bit, it's like, again, it, this film uses the Citizen Kane structure, which is just like, do that at your peril. This idea of like, let's start at the end of a climactic moment happening in someone's life and let's like build up to that point. So it, it uses that thing. I'm like, mm, maybe don't do that. It uses it here in a way that is so confusing. Like Citizen Kane masterpiece and it works because at every point you know who is telling the story and why and how it links to the actual wraparound narrative in this you have no idea if what you're seeing is a subjective lens or if it's an objective reality that's counterposed with what's being told if what you're seeing is being told in the courtroom or not being told in the courtroom if it's material to the case when it should be introduced what you should know what you shouldn't know it has the most beguiling confusing structure i have ever seen in a movie perhaps yeah you just you forget what the frame is very, very quickly, almost immediately, because the exposit, the way it introduces all the key elements of the plot, so um, so str- so like I wouldn't say straightforward, but so abrupt, and then yeah. it's like right, got that, right, moving on to court case, drama, court structure, um, and because we, it does not like it, it doesn't you know just do a Scorsese thing of just just let's put some narration. So we know yeah. who's talking. They just do that. That way we'll know. Instead, it just like it starts someone talking, and then it's showing stuff tapping, and they aren't even in the scene. It's not yeah. from their perspective. They weren't there. It's so weird. Like um, someone is giving, will be giving testimony, and like it'll be about people who are doing something completely different, and they wasn't invo- they weren't involved. So to give a fringe over the film, because it's, it's actually a really easy film to give a narrative summary of, because the narrative is actually like five minutes long, but it's just so truncated. It's just, it's this man who's been put on trial for the murder of his wife, and he's trying to be proven innocent. Um, and at the beginning, we don't know if he's innocent or not, we just know that he's been put on trial. Um, but ev- the film goes out of its way to make him seem guilty for it, which for a long time, the film falls into that rut of... And there are other films like this of this is a film that's going to make you feel sympathy for a, for a, for someone that's killed someone, for, for a murderer, specifically a murderer of a woman. And this idea of being like, it's going to make you think, oh, yeah, it was bad, but she did deserve it. And it is that movie for like an hour. And then there's a bizarre twist that you should have known from the beginning, flashback to kill in that episode. And then it becomes this kind of like unpicking of like police procedure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, and there, there are even like there, there are scenes like about police procedure where they make it like you're an unconventional cop, you break the law, and uh, you break the law, and like he's trying to convince the jury that you know the cop, cop is bad man, cannot trust cop, mm-hmm. which you know we're all we're all in favor of. Um, but the thing he says is like the, he, he implies, and I'm pretty sure it's correct, is that none of the evidence that these cops are submitted to convict this guy is admissible because none of it was got, yeah. you know, like it, there was no court orders, no warrant or anything. They didn't get any of this approved. So the case should already be thrown out. Yes. We, we watch like an it, hour and a half of a case that is obviously we all right. We see the reality. So we see the person didn't do it and it ends with the actual murder and we see who actually did it. So we know at the end that he's innocent, but it spends an hour and a half showing a completely just a, a case that's like no one in their right mind would accuse this person of doing this because it didn't make any sense at all just so it can go at the end being like and they accuse me anyway you're like you can't just set up a deck and then just introduce an entire new game yeah and like it, it, and because the, the movie is so desperate to get it's they are you know punished for rich like that's 
that's the message of the movie is, you know, they, they, they want to take down a successful man. It's like, Which it does like in another is, way. It does that with the car bit halfway through of like the way that we know that she's bad is that she spends 27,000 Canadian dollars on a Porsche. And he's like, oh, no, how dare you? My money, et cetera, et cetera. And that's how you know she's a bit of a rebel. This idea of being like, this rich man deserves his money. Um, though no one is impacted by her buying this car that she clearly can't afford and wants. He's um, a millionaire. Like, it's just, mm. it's such a, like, um, yeah, like, the, the, the movie has all these kind of, like, it's such a, like, pro-rich guy movie there because, like, this, like, Ah, so you, this, you know, middle-aged man, and you, this, like, like hot model, you married each other exclusively for love. Yeah. There was no element for both of you of you liking being a rich guy and her liking you being a rich guy. Totally. This was entirely, like, isn't it assuming that people aren't stupid? Like, these, it's not even an arrangement. These, like, relationships work because of the fact that, you know, Part of what he likes being is spoiling, you know, a hot, a hot young thing. And part of what she likes is being spoiled. That's still like a foundation of a successful relationship, if both people understand it. And it, this movie takes the tack of like, no, all marriages are for the true love. And she, yeah. she, like, she was manipulating him the entire time. It's like, dude, like, how did you get so rich if you're this dumb? He also has an issue that I like to call Haruki Murakami protagonist syndrome, in which um, he is the protagonist, is this like blank slate, pretty boring character that women are just weirdly, completely attracted to for no reason at all. They just fawn over him because like there yeah, are these two that, women vying for his affections. Fall in love with him. Yeah, it, well. it, like people it's just just love him. That she's like, she's just like, oh, and so, like you know, oh my my sister is treating him wrong. I treat him right. It's like, I, I mean, like, everyone's thought that about, you know, the wayward millionaire, I guess, but... I mean, um, at one point it yeah. introduces that he has a child out of nowhere, that he's just... Mm. that they had yeah. together. Don't need to establish oh, that. That's that seemed fucking great. A bit where he's just like, you know, daddy, daddy thinks mummy is lazy and they're going <laughs> to get divorced. Yes, daddy hates mummy and mummy is a stupid... Uh, like, it, it, it really is just like... Yeah, it, like the most passive aggressive thing I'd ever seen in the movie. As he's smashing her hands on a piano. Yeah. Inexplicably. Um, so to go back to the, the, the setup for this relationship, so this so this is all told in courtroom dialogue. So we get to the beginning of the court case and he is asked to give his defence and we know from an hour into the movie that there is incontrovertible evidence that he did not do this like that could not be dismissed at all so his opening line is my father was shot by the Nazis and you're like okay well that's a weird gambit to go for I'm I'm intrigued and then he goes about how his father gave him some advice about how women might look sweet but they're bitter on the inside or like it's like okay okay this is still a bit still a bit of a strange way to lead your I did not kill my wife thing be like okay um, and then he says 20 years ago I was in Budapest um, fleeing Budapest in the 50s you're like okay and then it's lots of random stock footage of like unrest in Budapest you're like this is pretty grim and then it goes on to just show his entire background this relationship with some dude um, which is none of which is material to the case at all but the thing that I realised is only the first few lines have narration. So I'm presuming that the rest of it we are just seeing and that he's not telling to the court because later other people give evidence and it's returned to this narrative, which doesn't say what they're saying. So 
I'm presuming in court he just stood up and said two things and sat down. Yeah, yeah. I, I just what? I, immediately you're not following it because it's introducing this kind of grand lifelong story, except the mm. fact that this you know happened you know like ten years ago or something. No, nobody has any like uh, Hungarian or Eastern Bloc accents as well. No. Like all the, there are a lot of people from that region now in Canada. And all of them are all of them speak like Americans. Um, there's not even a Canadian accent there, um, and are c- completely naturalized and extremely wealthy and successful mm. from the word go. So, such is th- the power of Canada. It's it's kind of the Canadian dream. And th- then we get to him meeting his wife, which is like she's just introduced in like a. If I was going to be very um, very charitable say in a blow-up like scene um we have like her being photographed by his best friend um this is the first time we see her and we know that they get married in the future so you expect there'll be some like some chemistry set up we then cut to another scene where his friend is angry at him because she's he's stolen his girl that wasn't his girl he slut shames her for a while though in that speech is jealous of the fact that he can't get her though he thinks that she would go for anything but that being proven wrong by the fact that he can't get her these two people haven't met before i'm very very confused and then our protagonist just says we're getting married yeah, just shouts in his face for oh, a while. like he's he's doing the bail batman <laughs> it's hilarious and those two are getting like, married after she's just slut shamed for like two minutes, and and that's the premise for their relationship. And then the next scene, it tries to sow, uh, and now there is marital strife. You're like, you can't just jump from they've got together to, and they're drifting apart. Like, you never convinced me they were together to begin with. Yeah, it's just like it. It's like he the the, the assertion is that he's picked her up a rack. Hmm. Like say that one. Um. They, they don't establish any, like, the, the, the thing about, you know, if you're going to do, like, yeah, you know, like, the, the stereotype is, like, a very, I'm going to use an extremely trashy, but very Ooh. well executed example, which is Gone Girl. Yes. Um, which is a movie that is deliberately manipulative, but sets up all the core tenets of the characters, and then starts introducing wrinkles to it that makes it more and more complicated, um... And uncertain and and makes the the viewer doubt themselves consistently, uh, even though, like even though like we're pr- we're pretty sure of what's going on here. Yeah. Um. But that movie sets up these characters, sets up what the relationship was before, and then shows you shows you the decline. Um. And <laughs> meanwhile, in, meanwhile in this movie is meanwhile in this movie it goes. All right, wife. Oop, wife unhappy. Well, because it introduces the fact that he's having an affair with someone before the fact we've introduced that he's married. Um, so we already know that he goes to infidelity. And at no point does it... Because like, so many movies go to the like the excusing infidelity thing of being like, here's this loveless marriage that made me like, stray. But just like, no, nah, I just had two women going. Um, mm. And that's just all it goes for, um, which is utterly bizarre. Um, so the love interest is involved. That leads to the Canada maybe sexual scene, which is which is really funny. Then we have a sex scene when you do see a bit of a penis. So there you go. Um, that's a video nasty plus. Um, and again, it's like this is the least charismatic man ever. Well, it ripped off, um, but it was not ripped off. So you know that's the that's yeah, take that plus away. Um, and then like we've got the she's brought forward. So the the woman he's having with whom he's having an affair is brought forward to give testimony. 
And her testimony is just everybody's trying to make him evil. He just wanted love. Yeah, he was just a... The darn rich guys deserve love too. I, I don't know. And then there's a scene where his bed's very large. They can have them on opposite sides. It's just a comically large bed to show there's marital strife. Um... I love that bed so good. <laughs> the bed's bed. hilarious. Like, the bed looks like bed. it's from a like Stephen Kostansky like um like body horror sci-fi movie. It looks like it's straight out of the void. It's amazing. Um, so I'm I'm pro the bed, and then because this film just keeps on just adding random narrative layers because it gets bored. Because I mean I get bored. Um, so it introduces a ghost from his Hungarian past. Some friend walks in and is just like, you could have saved me. And it's like, but you're here. Um, so you got to Canada too, apparently. And they have a feud. It's like, you know that scene in There Will Be Blood where the brother who may or may not be a brother arrives and is like, I'm going to undo you? Yeah. It's like, what if that was terrible but took up the yeah, same amount of the film? Yeah, like it's just the, the, the character shit. Like there should be some portent because mm. this person needs to have been introduced to us prior. So then we know is it, it should be an oh shit moment, not a like, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> Which another who are you moment is when we go over to, now we follow Magdalene for a bit. Um, this is when it's starting to show that Magdalene's a bit of a bit of a wrong-in. Um, but before it's done that, actually, it has let us know that our protagonist, Mr. Boring McBoring Face, the like blank slate, most, he's such a bad actor as well. He's All he can do is just do nothing or shout, we're getting married. That's, that's his, his, his only two notes. <laughs> I was born yeah, in marriage. He's, um, he's, he's, he's awful. So, and but all women love him because he's a man. He's a capitalist w- rich man, which I guess actually does make sense. You know, he's a rich man. You know, um, oh, this movie hates women so much it sucks. Um, so we know that he wants to kill his wife because every now and then it shows these like um, random views of like him thinking about killing his wife. But it's in that lens of you watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, didn't you? I haven't seen it yet. Oh god! I mean, I don't, I don't like that movie at all. I know a lot of people do, but one of the like the little jokes in it is as a joke that maybe like Brad Pitt's character killed his wife, and that's played as a joke. And like, there's a scene of maybe it happening, and like the joke is she did moan though, so he did shoot her with a harpoon because she was a moaner. Um, because you know Quentin Tarantino, and this movie does that same thing of being like, we're going to see this man's violent impulses, but she is annoying, right? Yeah, mostly you so, you know, you might want to just club her. You might want to club her. She's a clubber. When we're seeing as we start with her not being given identity, the first thing we see of her is getting bashed around the face with a pipe. Um, so it's like, okay, fine. Um, but it also does this thing where, um, okay, I'm going to ask you a question I know you, I know the answer to, but have you seen the, the niche 60s Agnes Varda movie, um, Le Creatures, um, The Creatures? No, Stephen. <laughs> you know, I may be missing something, but I don't think so. Maybe just what I, it's on my list. Okay, it's, it's it's pretty good. Um, it's um, it's got a resonant connection to it. I think maybe it doesn't. Oh no, it's um, uh, I forget. Um, but it's it's this weird kind of like strange um new wavy thing. It's got the guy from um Dolce Vita in it. Uh, maybe I'm remembering wrong. Um, it's it's been a while since I watched it. Um, but it does that same thing of it's like this blending of like fiction and reality of like what's real, what's not, and it it shows this person's like weird kind of like fantastical. Um, fantasies that are often quite violent by putting this red sheen over them and I'm like 
this movie does exactly the same thing. It's just like this strange riff. And you know what? And Agnes Varda, I'm going to say, is probably the greatest filmmaker of all time. It doesn't work well in that movie. So if you're using a technique that Varda did and it wasn't good there, it's not going to be good in your Beyond B movie from Canada for tax reasons called I Miss You, Hugs and Kisses. Yeah, it's... Um, yeah, like we haven't looked at the boxer yet. Jesus Christ! Yeah, the 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 the, the boxing like the, this is the, this part of the movie. Like I had to stop. <laughs> I know you sent me a message. Yeah, I was like, I'm halfway through this. I had to stop because I was just I wasn't tracking. Like you're gonna say stuff like like I you're gonna say stuff about like about this movie, and I'm like, yeah, that did that did happen. Like like it, my my eyes were as glazed as the the screen was. Mm. Um, because it's all just like a weird fuzzy weird, weird fuzzy mess until the end where it starts being punished for wealth how could, yeah. how could they they dislike me because I'm because I'm a rich guy what's he even do what's his job um his job is a millionaire yeah he's, he came he's, to Canada and he lived the Canadian dream <laughs> the Canadian dream of you know you like you apply to be a millionaire do I guess it's still the American dream because Canada I don't know if you know this Adam but it is still in North America yeah, exactly. So in a way, he did live the American dream. Um, so in this in this film, which is part of the all women are trash cinematic universe, which is not as a good cinematic universe as the all men are trash one. Um, so she decides because she's she has bought this Porsche and he's angry that she's bought a Porsche. So she goes to a boxing gym. Why? I don't know. She goes to a boxing gym where someone is doing some boxing acting and his boxing acting. This is, I mean, I don't mean to shame this man, but he looks the least like a boxer that anyone has ever looked like a boxer. He just stands there and he vaguely kind of like massages the air of his hands and like hardly, you know, like the one inch punch, like the Bruce Lee one inch punch. Yeah. Yeah. It's like he's just doing that in air, which is like, what, what are you, do, what are you doing, little, dude? Just doing little punches while he's talking to him. And so, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I've seen, not like I'm you know, not a boxing boxing man, but I've no. seen other boxing movies where the boxer has had time to stop boxing. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I better just keep gyrating my fists. He's like, can't talk, must slightly box the air. Yeah. Um, do you remember what he claims, though? Because at this point I was like, oh, maybe, this movie's, maybe this movie's great. <laughs> because they give this guy so much backstory in a minute no other character in this film has like as rich an exterior life as this one dude and he keeps coming back he's got a a whole life do you remember what magdalene says about him in this random expo dump oh that he's a he's a very big boy no she says this i remember back in the past i think i saw you fight muhammad ali oh i mean like (laughs) Yeah, like it's one of those things. Like, yeah, sure, sure, this guy did. Like, oh my I'm god! Sure. Like, and it it just goes into Muhammad Ali fan fiction for a while. Like, he yeah, just because, says, <laughs> "Sorry, I'm a fan of," but like, I just. <laughs> It's amazing. So also at this point, it claims, so then it claims this is from Muhammad Ali's past before he's Muhammad Ali. I'm like, okay, well, he had a different name then, but fine. <laughs> so it doesn't even like historically track. Um, but he was just like, yeah, that's before like he became like a big man. But, uh, you know, I, I lost, obviously. And then his trainer's like, yeah, but he could never knock you out, could he? And it's like, what? Um, so this person was, you know, he wasn't as good as Muhammad Ali, but he could give him a fair fight. Um, and what is this man's role in the film, Adam? Oh well, he's being hired to kill rich rich guy. 
which they drop in as a plot point in, in its major coup before it reveals its actual twist its coup of we're going to make you feel sympathy for a British murderer is well she was actually trying to get him killed yeah and so it's gr- okay what ha- it's okay what happens to her and can you remember why she wants to get him killed because that also rules oh it's because she gets it so she'll get all the money like mm, no it's a fit of jealousy I just like it's like See, see the, like this is the problem here is I'm gonna miss this stuff because at this point, like this, I remember movie, a lot of this movie. It's really, it's really, it's really hard because, <laughs> like, I think I think the issue is affect is that there's no there's no re- and people say that, there's no reason to care about these people, but there really isn't. These actors don't have hmm. even have. There the, are no people in this film. Yeah, the, the, they don't even have the you know, the benefit of like charisma or screen presence. And you don't even know no. what they do. Like, you know she's a model, and you know he's rich. Um, and you now. don't ever... And also, we don't see... Like, neither of these people have an interior life. So you, they are never in scenes without other people or nope. expressing how they're personally feeling. They're always... Reacting. The richest character is this boxer. He's the he's the person with the most, like, story and character. Yeah, he's got... Things have happened to him in his life. I mean, like, technically, everyone has escaped from, like... Um, hungry. We'll get. Can we talk about that? Those scenes. Okay. Yeah. Like you, just you lead with. Mm, that's so bad. It's so bad. Like so. The 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 the, uh, the arcing narrative here is that um, the guy who then who uh, insults rich guy's prospective wife at the start of the movie and him are both uh, both escaped from. From Hungary, from kind of a like a not like a gulag situation, but like a kind of closed. Border. It's very unclear because very like unclear. he's not even sure how many years ago it was. And it's it's like a kind of escapee heist situation where they you know they they take the take they take their shot to make a run for it. Um, and what follows is a series of like shootouts, which are incredibly poorly filmed sometimes at daytime sometimes at night like it cuts between day and night so it's like it there, there is the impression of like a rolling like gunfighty retreat um over the course of days um we don't know what the like you know what the regime is we don't know what they've done if anything nope. um, which which surprises me because this film is so blunt in its like we love rich guys. I'm so surprised it didn't it didn't keep saying we fled communism and now we are rich in the land of Canada opportunity. I'm like I, you know like obviously we I mean people that listen to this show know Adam and I's politics. Um, um, I thought like even this movie would just like have the resolve to like make its through line that it's clearly somewhat alluding to. Yeah, like yeah, like if if, it, if it's not a country and a command economy. It's gonna be a woman that brings a rich man down. Like that's like I fled communism for this. Yeah, you can you can make that your you know narrative. I guess you know you'd be a dummy. But We'd insult be, it, but we would be like, yeah. okay, this is the political throughline of the movie. Yeah, like, At least it had like that, that. That it's coherent. But instead, it's just men. Uh, men escaped hungry for reasons. Um, oh. They didn't like it there. Um, the, the guy showing up to, to be kind of. Okay, remember me is a figure from these guys' past who's one of I the escapees. Did like, not track to me. what this bit was. I had no idea what was going on. Yeah, so he's like essentially he he, he takes a fall um, during their escape in the river and they leave him behind. Um, which you know I'm go- I'm I'm gonna say fair enough here. Um, you know 
Like, yeah, especially- it, it, it's, it's coded as if like they are fleeing for their lives, and if they stopped to save him, that they would die. But then we find out later that he just got out fine anyway, and yeah, is running was- a successful boxing gym. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like all these guys have come to Canada and become incredibly <laughs> successful. So I don't know what the like Hungarian exchange rate was. I don't know what the like. Clearly, like, they just boarded the same flight. Like a bunch of Hungarian millionaires moved to Canada to become Canadian millionaires. And this it's is very why, strange. This is why the border cops were trying to keep them there is because, you know, because communism or whatever, and they were supposed to be going to Gulag where they belong. Um, <laughs> yeah, we are describing a much better movie. Yeah, like, it's, like at least it's coherent, whereas, like, I don't know, it's... Full, uh, what's happening they keep cutting back to these scenes where they're like there's a bit of tension we're gonna make a break for it they make a break for it gunfights it's daytime it's nighttime there's a car there's a river <laughs> like and like it, it does look and each scene looks like they got a bunch of people like in the same field once at daytime and another time at nighttime a bunch of close-up shots yeah. um, like rapidly intercut of people firing um period appropriate weapons and i mean pr- presumably presumably who knows <laughs> yeah but like this isn't even like a when we were young so you like the classic thing is like something happens when you're young and everyone's moved on and then someone comes back or like yeah it, there, it thinks it's once upon a time in the west sorry once upon a yeah. time in um, in america which is a movie i don't like anyway <laughs> this is not that but it's it's doing that but also these people are exactly the same age they're not doing like young people this like happened like you know eight years ago or something so they all look the same they're all dressed the same as well like it's not like oh we were young in 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 rags and we just made a break for it and you know before i became a canadian millionaire yeah we came to canada to shoot our shot man it's like it's literally like Oh, yeah. So a few years ago when I was a prominent businessman in Hungary, I didn't like how things were going, so I ran, made a run for the border. And now I'm here. Like, there's no arc, there's no weight of history to make you care and go, oh, man, this is all unraveling now. This life you've built yourself is crumbling apart. It's just, it's just like, oh, well, you know, like, you know, your life took a, a bit of a turn. Now you're in Canada, I guess. You know a movie is, like, capital B bad when myself and Adam are arguing that it should have more coherent conservative politics. Yeah, I mean, like, like just, <laughs> like, just be, be Clint Eastwood or something, you know? Like, yeah. just have something that I can understand, and then, you know, I'll judge it. I'll judge be it Gran Torino. Be Gran yeah. Torino. Like, have a, have, a co- have a coherent politics, and then I'll at least watch it and understand <laughs> it. Like I, I can find the good things about it that I like, even when it's um, the old, the overarching message is something that I disagree with, hmm. because at least it's a coherent piece of filmmaking. Which, to go back to its incoherence, actually, because, I mean, why I was quite beguiled by this, because I actually could not concentrate for those bits at all, those bits that you described in detail, because those were like, that was a, a scene that made internal sense. It doesn't make external sense in the movie, but I could not follow it in the internal sense scenes, because, like, I don't care what's going on. But I was just, like, beguiled by the nonsensical court case. Um, my favourite bit of the entire movie is a thing that happens seven minutes into the film and I've never seen this in a film before this is the like you may have heard Adam I know you've heard of this of a late title card we love a late title card I love a late I'm a big fan have you ever seen a I know you have but listener have you ever seen a movie that has a late this movie is based on real events card it's 
great. Seven minutes into that? the movie, as if it forgot, it goes, oh, crap. Um, oh, and it, it covers the whole screen, like, yeah, and it keeps scrolling. It. Yeah, it's, it, it scrolls it as well. It's not just like a... Stuff's happening not, in the it's movie. It's not a splash of screen of something like, boom, there you go. Like it's, it's just like, shit, um, oh, fuck, it's, it's, it's a real story, isn't it? Um, uh, we've got to tell people. My read from this is, I'm going to guess the first seven minutes are pure verite. Like, all of that, mm. 100% real. And then they're like, oh, we diverge from truth. Like, we must put a disclaimer. Everything you've seen up until now is pure fact. Pure fact, as it happens. The rest, my dears, is interpretation. And then it, so it drops it. So yeah, a movie with a seven-minute late disclaimer, this is truth but maybe false, is just, that's filmmaking. Yeah, that's, that's a movie, baby. What a picture. That's beautiful. Um, which, as we... So to get back to our mate, the boxer, my favourite character of this movie. So he is hired as a, a contract killer. Um, by the hung, by his Hungarian friend, right? Like, as in, like he yeah. works for the Hungarian friend. I'm putting that together. Yeah, that, that, I think that's that's accurate. And she, it's like he works for him, and then Hungarian friend is like, yeah, you might gotta kill your kill your husband because you know, me and him, we we are in good terms as well. So if you wanna, you know, want you know, if you wanna go in on this, like we can split it. Yeah, and he knows that she's good for money, so he brings him along, and she turns up, and they open their doors slightly into each other in a very weird scene, and then she's like, I'm going to give you 24 grand, I think it's that much, because it's like the price of the car, <laughs> He's like, I'm gonna, she's like, I'm going to pay off this car, um, if, if you kill him for me, and um, this person, his claim is that he... he they try and make him a sympathetic character, he goes, no, I, I only break arms and legs, I don't kill. You're like, What? He's like, no, I'm an arm and a leg breaker. I'm just your yeah, common thug. Like, it's, uh, you, see, you show me it, like, buddy. You show me an arm, I know what to do with it. You know, I can break it. You show me a leg, I know how to do what to do with that too. But uh, like a, a head, you show me a leg. I'm chest, ca- do chest cavity. I don't know about that. I fought Muhammad Ali. Will I break his arm? No. Will I break exactly. an arm now? Yeah. That was the problem. That's why he didn't beat Muhammad Ali. He was too focused on the arm. He couldn't go for the kill shot. And he couldn't go for the he couldn't go for the legs because you know boxing. So he's yeah, really only limits the arm. And they're tricky buggers. They're always moving. <laughs> but he's broken a few now to prove it. And he, he will break arms and legs for money, all right? This guy is trying to get by in a tough economy. He will break an arm. He'll break a leg. Well, you know, I, but I, he draws the line among there. Us, whom among us is above. It's just, breaking. again, the politics of this film. Hey, We're, it's a, a, a it's normal a job. movie. It's a job, Stephen. Like, you don't know what people need to do to survive. Yeah, yeah. Fug work is real work. Um, but, like... A normal movie would be like, whoa, I don't want to kill someone for money, but I guess I need it because, you know, there's so many films that are like to show the pernicious power of money, but he's like, whoa, I don't want to not break someone's arm. Yeah. It's like, you sure I can't like break his arm like really bad? It's like Batman Arkham Asylum. It's like, I will hospitalize this man happily. Or Sleeping Dogs, I guess. Not the movie Sleeping Dogs, the video game Sleeping Dogs, where it's like, no, I just knocked all these men out because I'm an undercover cop. It's fine. Um, Oh, that game's so good. You just got to... That game's got that function where you can just break a leg and they stand back up again. But you can just keep doing the leg break. (laughs) Welcome to the minute of every episode where me and Adam reminisce over a game that came out between 2007 and 2015. (laughs) They were the best of times, Stephen. (laughs) They really were. Um, So, yeah. So this boxing guy is brought on to the fact that he will kill this person. But then... That's never material to the plot because he never has to. 
<laughs> because she is murdered. So you're like, okay, all the pieces are in place here. At this point, you're like, okay, the plot of this movie is going to be that he killed her, but you know what? She was going to kill him, so you know what? I feel sorry, and she was a bad person, blah, blah, blah. And the movie's like, you know what? We should have a twist. And at the 54-minute mark, it introduces a random new variable to the film. Yes. It cuts to a new character in a taxi listening to the radio, like, what is going on? And Adam, please tell me what happens. Oh, so... All right, so the new character, you know, so she's in it, uh, a new character, um, she's, you know, she, she's, tra- she's traveling around, hears on, on the radio that there's a serial killer on the loose. And you're like, I guess this story's being told of the court case, but I guess yeah, it's also okay, not. Yeah. What is going on? What's going on here? Um, she then gets out, does some stuff, and then needs a thumb ride. And then yeah. while she's she gets picked up, and while she's in the ride, you know, shock horror. She's listening to the uh, radio, and it's describing the man she's just picked a ride up from. Oh um, no! And this guy, and this guy is the most serial killing looking man you'd ever you you could ever see. Like, this, well, the movie you know, is literally we have a problem. The movie's like we have a problem. I don't want this rich man to have actually been the murderer because I want to have you know this cake that we just bought that we're supposed to give away. No, we're going to eat it. We're going to we're going to eat this 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 cake that's specifically to be given away. So yeah. let's introduce the character whose entire role is I kill women, and that's yeah, his like thing. And let's introduce that's, that's him my, that's my just bag. so he that's can be man. the woman killer. So here's yeah. the, the woman killer is introduced. The woman killer. The woman no killer is introduced. Um, she realizes, oh no, I'm in the car with the woman killer. Um, mm. He. Then she doesn't jump out of the car or anything. She waits for him to drive it off <laughs> into the woods. She's like, I will politely wait for the woman killing. Oh, but I, yeah, exactly. I'm at least right. accommodating. I filmed this ride. She, so. She's in the main road. Like, you know, you'll break a few bones, but like, jump out of the car rather than let this guy drive you off into a leafy glade where the it's murders... It's like that bit in Zodiac. You know the bit in Zodiac with the baby? It's like yeah. that horrifying yeah, it moment. And it's just, she's like, and it's like, you know, Transposed a completely different scene from go, driving on a main road to being the forest. <laughs> they stop. She gets out. She runs out, um, and he chases her down. It chases her down, and this is the um, this is the, the the rape murder scene that I was describing. Yeah. So, well, the murder rape. To, to to reiterate, uh, it's a murder rape exactly. We have to keep the sequence in order because. Yeah. Um, as I was saying, uh, saying earlier, um, you should be able to elicit some response with literally one of the worst things you can do. Um, I mean, and also, just than... like, I think we need to really underscore this: is this this film has not even pretended to be in this kind of like sphere of content so far. It's like yeah, a slightly is... like risque thriller about legal procedures. Yeah, there's like some there's some dick, there's some like slow like soft focus shots of some naked people just kind of. It's hugging. been yeah, like weirdly sexual. It's been a weirdly kind of like slightly horny movie up until this point to like get a little bit yeah, of attention like, on it's screen. Been, it's been very much in the realm of erotic thriller. Yeah, skin flip, um, like, and and it's it then just completely like, and then like he just there's just a couple of shots set up where this guy stabs this girl, then gets to, pulls down his tiny tiny whiteies, has sex with with her, like, and then <sighs> leaves, and then occasionally they'll cut back to a bit of caressing. He stabs her twice, but I think they just use this footage of the first stabbing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we see this again later to like it just like cuts back to this in case you'd forgotten. 
Yeah, just yeah, remember this this guy, bad guy. It's like we see his haircut. Which, I, okay, here's... All right, so th- this scene, I think we'll, we'll skip over it because it's not fun to talk about and it's not fun to listen to. It's just, it's just, it's just heinous. It's ridiculous, and it's like this movie is like dumb fun, and then it's just like, eh, no, and it's also just like utterly bewildering dumb fun. But like, this is where the film continues to be the most nonsensical thing ever. Of in this court case, which is the joke of all court cases, the worst court case ever. Like Aaron Sorkin, or we would have a field day with this court case, and he'd love it, love it, love it. Um, so they decide to pull a new witness to the stand. And their new witness is known murderer. <laughs> yeah. Which apparently they've caught him. Like, because yeah, he was him. on the run. So they've caught him. He's been there the whole time, apparently. He's been there the whole time. And they just, they literally say, you're a known murderer. You were in the area. We reckon you murdered someone. And then he goes, I've never murdered anyone. And they're like, okay, I guess he's innocent. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but they already have his description because that's what um, means the, you know, uh, unnamed. How victim. did he get to the courtroom? Why is he brought forth as a witness? Yeah, just like he's, you know, like, you know, but whatever, from whatever you want to say about this guy, he's Marxism in action. You know, he really <laughs> wanted to make sure that Millionaire didn't get off. Um, <laughs> so he's brought through as the sympathetic murderer, being like, now I may be a murderer, but I didn't murder this lady. And they're like, yeah, okay, well, then I murderer, may be a murderer, him... but I think the richos are getting a bit too much of a clean break these days. Let's make, let's let him escape again. So they bring him forward. And then at the 57 minute mark, we cut to the most ridiculous plot twist of any film ever, where we have a intercut Brian De Palma style. Well, not quite Brian De Palma, because it's not at the same time of we see the murder happen again, but we don't see who does it. We see the murder happen. But at the same time, we're seeing what our protagonist is doing. Mm. Um, Also, cinematic language thing. There's a grotesque piece of cinematic language earlier, actually, because these scenes flow straight together. It flows from the the assault and the murder into the reveal of the the previous murder, or I guess the latter. The chronology is confusing. And it cuts from the woman being killed and violated into our main character in a lift with his child and the scene is shot so they're in the lift it's an external lift in a skyscraper and they're pointing out and looking down and the cinematic language of that your brain like Kuzlov style links the two things together and you're like are they pointing down at the thing we just saw because they're not pointing at anything so it's like one of the most like Again, the person in this film does not know how to make films, and occasionally it's just like really upsetting. Um, and so that scene for me, I was just like, "Ooh, the, all the cinematic implications here are grotesque." So he's doing a shopping trip with a family member and and his child. So he has two corroborating witnesses. He is in public buying things at the point the murder takes place, and then he arrives to discover the the body. Mm. So there is no possible way he could have killed her. Yeah, like, it's... and at no point in his court case does he start by saying, "Oh, but I wasn't. I actually was." Yeah, I was, was at the. I was at you know the the Sonoma Williams picking up some. And here is every witness that will corroborate. And also, like, I discovered the body when I got home. No, he starts by saying, now, my dad was killed by the Nazis. Like, dude, you deserve to go for this crime if you cannot present the case of, oh, it obviously wasn't me. Yeah, like, where is your lawyer? (laughs) That's the lawyer who shouts at his friend for, um, I've got the quote down here somewhere. Oh, God, where is it? Um, You celebrated life together. And then you betray him. You, you do celebrate there in beautiful in beautiful Toronto. <laughs> He's the guy who keeps mentioning the fact that it's Canada. 
Like yeah. he said, it's this is pre- prohibited under Canadian law. It's like, oh, so that's good too. Cool. Yeah, they they tell the witness that he can't admit his evidence because he's protected by law for him to then say his evidence, which is his evidence. And this one, it gets into the weird police evidence tampering plot line. Um, I've been watching a lot of Godzilla movies recently, as anyone that's following my letterbox will know. Um, like a lot of Godzilla movies recently, um, and you know, you know the classic Godzilla line from the American reboots. Um, one of one of our favorites, the the old the old let them fight. Um, there is a point in this movie where it's just asshole cop and asshole millionaire just going after each other. And I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna leave him at it. I'm gonna leave these yeah, people doing yeah, this. Like, yeah, Ken Watanabe, you got it right. Yeah, um, I think you can. Yeah, it's just it's fucking it. The 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 police because they introduced the police tampering thing at the eleventh hour, so we already know. It's like wrap this up, guys. He rips off her fingernails with pliers. Yeah. Because he thinks that would be better evidence, because he thinks there would be evidence under the fingernails, which there wasn't anyway. And they're saying, wait, why did you do this? He was like, I think that's procedure. They're like, oh, it's not. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah, like, I mean, like, that evidence alone was inadmissible. This would have never (laughs) gone to court. Like, it's just, like, if you're going to do a courtroom drama, like, think about a courtroom drama, and they're they're boring and stayed, but. They yeah, I don't like them. Apart from Mangrove, that was great. Courtroom cor- cor- dramas make uh, dramatic sense. because uh, 12 Angry Men is great. Shut up, listeners. Yeah. Okay, yes, it's a masterpiece. Sorry. But it has it has a, a structure and it comes to a, a, comes to a climax mm. and there is a natural back and forth pace of dialogue and there's lots of room for exposition. It yeah. makes natural sense. It's just a pretty boring thing. But uh, one of the things that separates a bad courtroom drama from a good product drama is Aaron Sorkin. Is, is, is Aaron Sorkin. And kind of the the attention to procedure and what yeah. parts of procedure you leave in versus not, and how that uh, it, how that kind of impacts the narrative. Um, uh, Aaron Sorkin just doesn't kind of care. It's just like <laughs> when when is the opportunity for some you know some basal exposition? Make the um, person talk like me. Exactly. Um, but like, even somebody who you know has watched maybe one or two courtroom dramas knows that if the police did all the things wrong, then this wouldn't be happening. Yeah, because then we cut to the to the classic courtroom drama scene of each um, jury member goes up one by one and gives their verdict. And they all just go, in this case, where it is abundantly clear. So we've seen actuality. We've seen truth. We've seen objective truth. So we know he didn't do it even though he refuses to give the piece of evidence that would get him off. Um, yeah, like, that, even, uh, at this point, it's his own fucking fault, isn't it? Exactly. The, um, but even if we had not seen this, from the stories we've heard, there is no proof that he did it. Um, there is a known woman killer just there who was in the area who just let to go free, and every member of the jury is like, nah, this guy's guilty, this guy's guilty. And it overcuts this with him just being like, those lines I know, Dan, was I prejudged because of my wealth? Was my mistake that I married a beautiful woman? Two direct lines from the film. <laughs> it's just, it's just ridiculous. Of like, they went in this film with a thesis, and why I like this movie, and I kind of do, is because it proves itself wrong so beautifully. Because this, this logic is, is, is bullshit, and clearly we are against this idea of being like, it's because I have a beautiful woman, and that's the problem. Because I'm rich. Of they can't make a film that proves this, and they try so hard to bend yeah, the film like, around this thesis, and they can't. And it's wonderful. Yeah, like the, yeah no, no one's like is like sympathetic. Like you can want to be like an absurdly wealthy like character, like you know. 
Yeah, that that's like the the kind of Citizen the, Kane. The, the Citizen Kane. Oh, like the kind of the intoxicating like aspect of of a uh, a Scorsese crime movie is hmm. that it's fun. You want to be this guy, like he's having a good time. Yeah. Um, but this movie can't do that. So it's just like this guy, like his life is kind of dull and boring. He's enjoying no benefits nope. of the fact that he's rich. He's a nothing. Um, he is a is a vacuous space of personhood. Um. And he, 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 his understanding of what he's entitled to in life is so kind of basic, and he didn't get it. And we're just looking and going like, "Well, you were entitled to that." And like, no one, no one said like, "Oh man, you deserve to be rich and have a hot wife." Like, <laughs> he's like, "But I fled Hungary when I was maybe I, already a millionaire. I don't know." Yeah, I fled Hungary like five years ago, and I don't. I get the hot one. Like, is it no? Like, who are you? <laughs> Well, yeah, because it's like his wife that hates him. The reason she wants to kill him, which I meant to allude to earlier, but didn't, is because his wife realises that the husband that she hates is having an affair, so in a fit of jealousy decides he must die. So there's all this like random sense of being like, this man is apparently intoxicating. Mm, yeah, it's like, this, <laughs> the, this guy is, you know, this guy's everything. It's like, he's, he's, he's like a paste of a person. Like, there's nothing, he, he's, 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 he's almost he's human. His most defining physical feature is glasses. Yeah. Oh, well, what about his hair? What about his hair, Adam? Oh, no. Spoilers for the end of the movie. Yeah, so the end of the movie, he's lost all his hair and he's got boils all over his face because, you know, he can't be be living in these conditions. Yeah, because, you know, his richness was holding his hair together. (laughs) Ironically, he looks like the actual killer at the end, which is kind of funny. Um, And the movie ends with him writing a letter. That ends with what line? I miss you, hugs and kisses. Which, if you just watched a movie that was titled Left for Dead, you'd be very confused by. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, wait, what? Yeah, what, because it's such a stupid line to end a movie on, and therefore a stupid line to... Like, this movie is so full of, like, bizarre double-downs. What's, uh, what's the Pirates of the Caribbean movie? Is it Dead Men Tell No Tales? I didn't yeah, see it, but... But in this, I think it's the I think it's the last one. Um, oh, is it the fourth one? Yeah. It's the one that was released in England. I don't know about Australia, but it was released in England as Salazar's Revenge. Oh, this is the one um, with Javier. Yeah, I've not seen it, but apparently it it's has a pre credit sequence which ends with someone saying, because dead men tell no tales, and it just cuts to boom, Salazar's Revenge. <laughs> You're like, wait, what? So I love the idea of a movie building itself around a line and then not having that as the title of the movie. So this and Salazar's Revenge get a thumbs up from me. A film I haven't seen, but there you go. Um, uh, should we rank this film? Yes, or do you have anything more to say about this? I, we love I, rich I, people, we hate women. This, this film, this, yeah, you know, um, yeah, I, I think that's yeah, obviously clear from you know all our interactions is our opinions on women. Um <laughs> This this movie's is yeah it's kind of gross. It's got a bunch of sexual assault stuff that yep. like is is gross. It clear it likes rich guys, hates yep. late uh, hates hates women, and contorts the narrative to fit that fit that frame. It's just like I mean I'm not, I'm not like none of the uh, the the female characters here are particularly you know like nice. Like nobody here. I'm not I'm not like rooting not standing any of these people no but like 
I really would rather spend time with them than this dude. Like, just this guy who's like... I want the boxer movie. Where is the boxer movie? Yeah, I want to see about the boxer. He seems like he's breaking arms, breaking legs. Like <laughs> He won't kill them. <laughs> he won't. <laughs> He breaks their arms. To, yeah, I want. I want a narrative like uh, like a Japanese like shonen manga where his whole thing is he can't kill people, but he can like progressively just like pulverize their arms and <laughs> That's legs. Every superhero movie ever, though. Like. Yeah, like he, but like the arms and legs are just like in jelly, broken, it, like compound fractures. But he can't kill them, and then they <laughs> like destroy him with mind powers or something. That's that's the story I want to hear. Yeah, I just see. I'm I'm conflicted with this movie, Adam, because on the one hand, it's 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 terrible. On the other hand, why this podcast is a problem of, I like I had a nice fun time talking about it with my friend, though it was fun to have a chat yeah, about. Just just, re- just, re- just remember of like the gross stuff that we don't like, that is you know capital P problematic, and then the fact yeah. that you don't remember most of it. <laughs> like like yeah, you know you don't remember most of it, but you go like, but it's a pretty cool thing to say I liked. Like, yeah, I've been down that road before. Uh, okay, um, let's start from the bottom of the list. Um, yeah, let's start with, I'm going to say this is, like, I'm going to say between, like, Don't Go in the Woods Alone and Revenge okay. of the Boogeyman. Oh, God, I'm looking at the list now. So, um, the list that I've got, which I've now put on Letterboxd, so you can find the list on Letterboxd um, under my profile. So, in last place, we have Late Night Train still, Yes. Yes. Killer Nun is um, penultimate. Mm. Then it's Island of Death, Night of the Demon, The Burning, Revenge of the Boogeyman, Delirium, and Don't Go Into the Woods, Dot Dot Alone. Yeah, I'm going to say, I'm going to put this... Uh, I, I would say I'd put this, like, maybe above Delirium. I was going to say that, yeah. Um, I want to put... I, I think Snuff is more interesting than it. Yeah, stuff's got a weird. Stuff's got at least got a vibe. Like this film, this film has absolutely even in in spite of Howard Shaw's best efforts, there is no um, tone to this movie. I think it's better than don't. I mean, we're talking about layers of abysmal movies. Um, I think it's better than Don't Go in the Woods Alone. I mean, that does have some really problematic horribleness in it, and it's just like nothing happens in that film. Things happen yeah. in this film. <laughs> It's true. It is a film. It is a film. Um, I'm going to say, like, yeah, maybe maybe below snuff. Yeah. Yeah, I can. All right, so I'm adding it to the list. Um, I miss you, Hugs and Kisses. It's called I Miss You, Hugs and Kisses. So. It, it, it is. It's called it. Like, I, I feel like we've gone on a bit of a dry spell. Like this, yeah, like we, we need to we watch choke. a good movie. A good, we need to do a good movie. I feel like the name "Zombie Creeping Flesh" implies. Yeah, greatness. I hear that's good. Um, yeah, I want so, to see that. All right, we're doing that one next. All right, I miss you, hugs and kisses is number twenty on our list. Okay, <laughs> which is in the parade of just dreadful movies at the bottom. They're just like ten, just dreadful movies at the bottom. Um, when do we get to see Prisoner of the Cannibal God? Whenever you want, man. Like, yeah, fuck me. We got some. We got some stuff. Yeah, you found. We found out together what Love Camp Seven is actually about. So yeah, yeah. No, that one's still banned, and was recently tried to recertify it, and they were still said no. Um, whereas SS Experiment Camp was allowed because the sex is quote consensual. Oh well, yeah, I'm glad that happened. They said yes. This is Nazi theme. I'm, I'm glad that the concentration SS camp. sexes 
is but insane. apparently everyone's involved and it's fine though you know we i mean at one point we'll have the conversation about you know there is a wider idea around consent and if people are in the concentration camp maybe not um yeah but mm, that's a well, conversation for that video. episode um so now that we've put on a list do you have a film to recommend in its stead um i've racked my brains about this because like this movie is kind of nothing um like you don't love it but i think a fun like who's right and what's going on and who who did it movie that's also an erotic thriller throwback side effects oh no i like that movie i mean i don't yeah. think it's great it's yeah, a stephen Soderbergh like, movie so it's therefore good um, yeah, but like if you want an erotic thriller that kind of plays in the who did it who's actually in the wrong here um and especially like the third act turn of that movie where it becomes about jude law um mm. is very fun if you're looking yeah. for that kind of thing where it's it's sexy you don't know quite who's who's the bad guy here it's steven soderbergh yeah steven soderbergh is a bit hitchcockian that's mm. that's a fun one um, I'm going to become a parody of myself. I'm going to recommend a Jean Renoir movie, um, The Crime of Monsieur Lang, because it's the perfect antithesis to this film in a way that I find actually fascinating. Are you familiar with this film at all? Um, so it's, it's, it's a really good leftist movie um, from, I think, the 40s. I'll have to double check at some point. So The Crime of Monsieur Lang is, a, is this film that starts with these people are in this bar, I think it's a Parisian bar, and they see this dude and they know that he's wanted for murder. And they're like, we should we should snitch on this guy. And I think someone grabs their arm. They're like, let me tell you the story of this man. And then it tells you the story of this person that you know is going to end with him killing someone. And the whole point of the film is it's going to say, yeah, he killed someone, but this is why. And this man is okay. And the whole like plot of the film becomes that he was, he turned this company into a cooperative and that it was going to go really, really well. And then capitalist people got in the way and just like ruined it and ruined it for everybody and like made his life a hell, which led him to doing this thing to escape kind of like capitalist suffering. So it's a really good version of the opposite of this film. Of mm, yeah, like, what yeah, I thought this film was for a point. It's it's so it is gen- it does that thing of yes, this person killed someone and they were guilty for it. But this is actually like a a better critique of what the system forces men to do and therefore why we should be mad about the system not against the people that are forced to make acts because of it and it's a really a fascinating story. it's not an amazing film like it has flaws um Renoir's a good director though so it's like it's, it's, it's a good movie to watch but it is surprisingly similar to this film but is the opposite to it at every point good well that, that's probably a better recommendation there so yeah, the crime of Monsieur Lang, um, uh, Jean Renoir. You know, uh, you know him from Le Regle de Jure. Um, I do. And the Grand Illusion. You know the Grand Illusion. I do know. The Grand um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Good, good, good movie. Good movie. Good movies. Um, so yeah, that's going to do it for this time. So next time, Zombie Creeping Flesh. Zombie Creeping Flesh. Zombie Creeping Flesh, which is a Get great name for a movie. What this podcast all about? <laughs> Zombie Creeping Flesh. Um, yeah, I like all those things. I like zombie. I, like, oh, I, don't, I don't want to say I like creeping. <laughs> I like creeping flesh, though. Like, mm, yeah, true. You put flesh after that. You put flesh yeah, after most yeah. things. I'm like, hmm, I'm a regular army hammer. Um, <laughs> that's going to date this. Follow me on, follow me on Letterboxd. Everybody. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Wait, it's the plugs time. I'll get my plugs out of the way. So as always, um, follow my writings on assortedopinions.home.blog. Do you want to read my recent um, essay on a rediscovered film by Mubi that is a bad documentary that's also a masterpiece because it's uh, 
interview with James Baldwin, the writer, where he hijacks the film and turns it around on the documentarian to make the opposite film than they're trying to make. It's amazing. It should be refound. Read my writing on that. Um, my other podcast, uh, where we talk about kind of like art house movies um, I've never seen. Um, check that out. There's still the Kislovsky double, the Kislovsky versus. Um, Sliding Doors, most recent, so Blind Chance versus Sliding Doors. Um, and find me on Letterboxd. I am either Stevenage, that's S-T-E-P-H-E-N-A-G-E is my username, or as Stephen Gillespie, G-I-L-L-E-S-P-I-E, um, where you can read <laughs> my reviews of the first 15 Godzilla movies, because <laughs> I've just been watching um, Godzilla movies. Um, so yeah, follow me there. Um, also there you can find the official Nasty Pals list, both of them actually, you can find the recommendation list, so there's loads of films that you should watch with the annotation of who recommended them for what movie, um, and you can find the official ranking there as well, which also exists on my blog, so that's my plugs out of the way. Adam? Uh, okay, so follow the uh, Nasty Pals Twitter account, mm-hmm. at Nasty Pals on Twitter, um, you'll just find me tweeting there and occasionally clowning on movie people. Um, <laughs> Uh, I am also have a letterbox account, which is uh, yes. key demographics. Um, I'm if, if I so Stephen's a writer. He does does the long form. Yeah, yeah, I do. I I'm that fool on letterbox that's writing actual reviews. They get a decent amount of likes, and then one person posts a meme, and yeah. yeah. So I'm the awful person who just posts <laughs> meme reviews. Um, so I they think are good my, meme reviews though. They are good meme reviews. A lot of meme reviews in letterbox are terrible. Yours are good. Um, so follow me, uh, follow me for those. I've got some, uh, great thoughts about, I feel like I, what I need to do now, Stephen, is to just review Army Hammer movies and <laughs> the same <laughs> This is an Army Hammer stan account. Yeah, exactly. I just feel like, you know, you have those awful moments where like some, uh, thing happens in pop culture that gets somebody canceled. And that means you renewed interest in that thing means you start actually checking out their work. Like, it mm. happened to be with Kanye, like, the point where he was at his most problematic. It was like, I'm going to listen to a bunch of Kanye. Now I need to find the cannibal <laughs> through line of all of Armour Hammer's movies. Like, is it in Free Fire? I don't know yet. I'm going to have to find out. Well, Ben Whitley worked with him twice, so, you know. Exactly. Ben Whitley confirmed cannibal. I, I would believe, I love, I've hugged Ben Whitley. You know I love Ben Whitley, but I would believe that. <laughs> Did he feel like a cannibal? <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, the... That's that's the news for you. So yes, hey, um, so, one of your favorite films is Raw. Like I'm gonna, yeah. I'm having some. some I know, I, I I love cannibal cinema. Like I'm super Same. super into the cannibals. Is it because you can see yourself in it? I've seen possibly in Michigan, maybe twice. See, like you you, you do you identify in some way with like cannibal animal cannibal. Um, so yeah, uh, that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> um, so yeah, rate review on iTunes um, tell your friends about it um, stop someone in the streets and say go home there's a pandemic actually you probably live in a country where that's absolutely fine um, and, and and tell them the podcast is good or do what I do to friends sometimes is steal their phone and forcibly download it onto it yeah <laughs> do that that's a cool thing that's not a violation at all no 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 but that it's I mean you tell them you're doing if it if it's good <laughs> oh god um, well we can't end on you saying that um or we can. So well, we um, can. I think well, we, can. we can. We can. All right. So join this us next is Uncle week. Adam. Join Listen to Uncle Adam. <laughs> Not creepy at all. He's a vunk killer. Listen to Uncle Adam um, and um, Uncle you know, Adam's nasty pals. 
you know, I'm going to recommend before the next episode, watch Zombie Creeping Flesh and then hear us yeah. talking about it. Do it that way. Yeah. Tell, tell us tell us what you think. We should send an email. I want to see what people think about Zombie Creeping Flesh. Yeah. Probably, like, not, probably not going to do that now, but maybe another movie. Maybe Prisoner of the Cannibal God. Yeah. You know, tweet at us. At Nasty, is it at Nasty Pals? Yeah, it's at Nasty Pals. I got that. Tweet at Nasty Pals. Tell us what you think of Zombie Creeping Flesh, and you know what? Exactly. If we get any, if we get any tweets, we'll we'll read them out, and we'll be I'll like read this them person. Out in and I'll attribute them to you, and questions. I'll also rate them. Yeah. Out of five. Yeah. Send us send us questions about it of like your observations. Get involved. Come on, get involved. Let's have some audience interaction um, from our presumed audience. They're out there. Yeah, I'm sure someone. <laughs> um, until next time, um, I've been Stephen. You have been Adam, and we miss you. Hugs and kisses. <laughs>